Our first episode of Perfect Popcorn is all about one of the most important movies of our generation, the movie that made many of us love movies. That's right, boys and girls, we're going back to Jurassic Park. There it is. Welcome to Jurassic Park. We've made living biological attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet. The most phenomenal discovery of our time. How'd you do this? Becomes the greatest adventure of all time. Can I touch it? Sure. Universal Pictures presents. You feel that? Hold on to your butts. A Steven Spielberg film. Senses are failing all over the park. Yeah, that's nice. Gotta go. An adventure. Look out! No! I can't get Jurassic Park back online. 65 million years in the making. Jurassic Park. ever episode of Perfect Popcorn. Perfect Popcorn is another series that we have always wanted to do for the sole purpose of taking a look back at the movies that we truly love, regardless of critical acclaim, regardless of box office. We want to take a look at those movies that we love, that we would give a perfect popcorn every time. We want to break them down and we want to talk about why we love them so much. So these first couple of episodes, we'll be doing two episodes first on our regular channel, but then additional episodes will be made exclusive to patrons only via our Patreon. You can go check us out at patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. And we're going to do all different kinds, kinds of movies. We're going to bring in special guest good movie buddies to talk about their favorite films as well. It's an opportunity for us to focus back on the movies that we love. And David... We, we took a poll. We, we threw a poll out on some social media here, um, on, our, on our Facebook, on our Twitter pages, and got a pretty good response. We, we asked people what you know, their favorite movies were. That's one of, the main, one of the main things that we asked them, and w there was a lot of responses. There's a lot of different ones. We had some – you said uh, – what was the one you said where there was a lot of – Shawshank was on there. Shawshank right? was on there a lot. Shawshank was on there a lot. Um, there were there were a lot of really good ones, but the one that I think came up the most, which I'm very happy about, is Jurassic Park, and that is the one that we are doing right now. Uh, to give a summary, now you got the stats, you got the history, obviously being our our resident statistician and historian, but to for the. <laughs> For those of you who've never seen Jurassic Park, or if you just would like the refresher, we looked up the official plot synopsis when it came out, and uh, it goes as such. Paleontologists Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler and mathematician Ian Malcolm are among a select group chosen to tour an island theme park populated by dinosaurs created from prehistoric DNA. While the park's mastermind, billionaire John Hammond, assures everyone that the facility is safe, they find out otherwise when various ferocious predators break free and go on the hunt. Was it six, seven-year-old me? That's all you need to know. Right That's there. right. I'm in. I'm in immediately. 
Um, but you, uh, w one of the things that we want to do is we kind of want to put in context where this movie lies in history. And this movie's I think, is 26 years old. It just got done celebrating its 25th anniversary last year. Um, but tell us a little bit about the history, about, like, for example, when it was initially released. Sure. So this came out summer of 1993, June 11th, to be exact. 1993. Uh, seven. At the time, biggest movie of all time, uh, made $400 million domestic. And again, this is back in 1993. Um, so I don't have right in front of me what that works out to with the like with inflation, inflation, but it was a lot for the time. Uh, made over $1 billion worldwide. Um, so massive movie at the time, especially considering, think about it, we didn't have 3D, we didn't have you know, higher ticket prices, right. all that kind of stuff. Inflation, um, it's $825 million. Yeah. Crazy. Ooh. Crazy. Ooh. So um, just a massive, uh, massive release, um, hugely popular in the theaters. Um, Reviews-wise, though, you know, sometimes these movies don't get the best of reviews, but mm -hmm. not the case here. 91% um, on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, we also had... Um, some Oscars that it won. Yes. So it won three Oscars in, well, it would have been 1994, but for the 1993 movies. Yep. It uh, swept all of its, was nominated for three, and it won three. It won uh, sound editing, sound mixing, visual effects. It's yep. a benchmark for visual effects. Absolutely. Um, I like going back. I like looking at some of the, most of the reviews when I was looking it up are, are pretty positive. I know Peter Travers, I'm not always on the same page as Peter Travers with Rolling Stone, but he described it as colossal entertainment, uh, eye-popping, mind-bending, kick-out-the-jams thrill ride of the summer, probably the year. Uh, Ebert, Roger Ebert, gave the film three out of four stars. It delivers all too well on the premise to show us dinosaurs. Um, they are indeed a triumph of special effects artistry. Uh, he did say, though, that the movie is lacking in other qualities, um, such as a sense of awe and wonderment and strong human story values which I can't agree with. I think, oddly enough, most of the negative reviews at the time were about the characters and the, and the story and the plot, which I don't think those takes have aged well, personally speaking. Well, uh, I mean... It's my opinion. Sure. I think, you know, some of, the, some of the biggest things that this is known for overall is going to be... Um, the visual. Sure. Uh, obviously, at the time, I mean, case in point, the Oscars that it won were around the visual and the effects mm -hmm. of this. And so I think that's where a lot of the focus goes to. I think acting and the performances in it um, were slightly secondary sure. to the fact that this movie is all about the dinosaurs. Absolutely. At the end of the day, it's all about the dinosaurs. Despite it providing us with a, a, a favorite gif of everybody of Goldblum with his... With his sweet, sh with sweet his shirt open and all chest, that kind of his stuff. Chest, his chest hair hanging out and that. Um, besides that, this is about the dinosaurs. Absolutely. At the end of the day, this movie is about the dinosaurs. Absolutely. This movie set, I think, a cultural... And obviously, we don't speak for the entire generation. You know, we're, we're 30. Both of us, I think, I think you're 33. You're 33, right? Both of us are 33. So we're in our early 30s. But I, I would venture to say that this is one of the most influential films for our generation in terms of how we look at humans. Like I know that particularly Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, like they were, th they were the most important people in the world to me 
for like the longest time. And dinosaurs obviously were, were a huge passion of mine as well. Um, I did wanted to mention one thing about Spielberg, and you know, we said that this movie won three Oscars, it swept those. Spielberg also won, I believe it was seven, uh, maybe eight Oscars for Schindler's List that year too. So this was his big coronation. This was the, the big Spielberg year where he finally got after being a, a, a well-regarded filmmaker, both drama and and action and you know audience films and critic films. This was the year that he got his due. He won director, picture, he won uh, a bunch of different awards and then of course cleaned up with the technical awards on yep. this side as well. Yep. So I remember that very fondly. Um, what would you say is the cultural impact on this movie? I mean, obviously it set the tone for us, but beyond that, um, I actually, before you answer that, I wanted to present you with a stat. Um, I looked up all the movies that were made about dinosaurs, according to Wikipedia. Okay, so take this at that, at that as you will. But according to Wikipedia, before Jurassic Park, there were 82 films made about dinosaurs, and that includes Godzilla movies, all right? After Jurassic Park, there was over 100 dinosaur movies made. So in all of cinema, before 1993, there were 82 movies about dinosaurs. And since 1993, so that's 26 years, there have been over 100 since made then, you know? And they're not all great. You know, a lot of them are are crappy. A lot of them are uh, what's it? The Sharknados of, of the world and whatnot. But I think that that I think it brought dinosaurs back into the into the cultural spotlight again. Um, what about for you? Did it did it have any big impact on you as much as it did me? You know, I I don't I don't have quite as distinct memories of of this as you i will say i do remember watching it at a pretty young age i can't remember if i saw it in the theaters or not sure i feel like i did but um i don't have that distinct memory um kind of like you do but i do remember really just kind of taking in the spectacle spectacle of it i mean i think at that point you and i are both what are we seven yeah. eight, eight years old when this movie when we're seeing this movie mm -hmm. and and so to that point, I feel like most of the movies we watch, you know, are a lot of animated films, a lot of kind of more kids type films. There's there's not many that we would step back and say, like, just the effects and 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 everything of it, the whole spectacle of this movie. And I think that was the thing about this is, you know, growing up as a kid, a lot of kids, myself included, loved playing with dinosaurs oh, sure. and loved you know, interacting with, you know, our play dinosaurs and that kind of stuff. And this movie was really bringing that to life. Mm -hmm. um, I think the other thing that I associate always with Jurassic Park, whenever I think of it, there's just no avoiding it is um, the the video game. And I, the I, Sega I, video game? The one. Th no, the one that you would play in the arcade where you sat okay. inside where like the car and okay. you put the screens up and you sat in there and shot. Okay. I think it came out after Lost World technically. Okay. Um, but you were basically trying to basically fight your way off the island if I remember right. Yeah. But I just remember going to GameWorks 
back in the day <laughs> and you'd get like the hour play card and I would spend like probably like 45 minutes I'm just, gonna just burn playing through it. On that. I love it. I love it. So I obviously have told the story before. If you go all the way back to one of the first episodes that we ever made, I think it was our very first episode. I told the story about how uh, Pops, Pops Williamson, been a, a good friend of the podcast, been on the show before, took me, it, you know, God bless him for taking seven-year-old little Rick to go see Jurassic Park. And this has changed my life. Like, literally, not many people can pinpoint the moment where you have your eyes opened or you, like, have an awakening or whatever. Um, but I remember him covering my eyes during the Dilophosaurus scene and being mad about it. I remember we went to we went on a big Disney Universal Studios vacation, I think, the summer after. And I wouldn't let go of my Raptor Attack 3D book they had the walkthroughs at Universal Studios. This is the movie, although it is not the on. It's on my top ten. It's not my favorite movie of all time. Um, I'm a little more pretentious. Uh, I have LA Confidential at the top, but it is definitely the movie that made me love movies. It is definitely in the conversation. Um, I mean, and that's the. I mean, that's that's why I'm here. Like this movie helped shape who I am. It's why I love Spielberg so much. It's why I love dinosaurs so much. It's why I love blockbusters so much. All that. It's why I love Jeff Goldblum so much. Um, whatever it is. Uh, but I honestly, I don't find myself revisiting it as much anymore. Like I don't just, you know, it's we don't live a life where we're clicking through channels. You know what I sure. mean? Like we we you cut the cord, and it, I it's, didn't cut the cord. I'm, I cut the cord. Um, it, there is certainly a strong weed rotability to all this, but I don't find myself revisiting it as regularly as maybe I should, or maybe I do other films. And I think that's because like I have this movie memorized. It's two hours and seven minutes. I know that. And I use that as a barometer of what is like a good runtime of a movie. Uh, but, but yeah, I don't, I'm not put, pulling it up on Netflix. I'm not throwing in the Blu-ray all the time. What about you? Um, I, for me, it's definitely a movie that I feel like I, stop and watch pretty regularly um, I won't say I've sat down and watched start to finish in a probably a long time uh, but that being said I still have cable and so <laughs> um, you know there's plenty of times where you know you're watching a sporting event or something like that and it's on a commercial and you want something to pass the time or you're waiting for something to come on or you're just killing time in general watching for, for the young people. That's called a switch channel. Sure. <laughs> you're uh, you're watching whatever's on TV. And if I see Jurassic Park on there and I don't really know what I want to watch, I'll f I'll switch over to it because I think one of the things that makes it really rewatchable is you can jump in at really any point in this movie and get hooked for Ugh. 10, 15 minutes. Anywhere. Like, there's not really a spot where I would say like it lulls and like, I don't really want to watch this. Like um, there's something about every part of the film, even, even when there's some of those slow spots, when, uh, um, when, when, the, the, when, when Grant and the kids, sure. you know, get separated and they're walking through the fields and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, or like you still know, like an ice cream, you still know, like, Oh, coming up, they're going to climb the fence sure. and we're going to have that whole like rebooting the system and the electricity coming on and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So like even the spots where you could say it's kind of a slower spot, you know that something is coming up shortly. Sure, sure. I actually I agree. So it's funny you use the analogy of like a switch channel. I would more than likely whatever I'm switching from abandon it and like, oh, Jurassic Park is on. I'll use it as a switch and then. 
I'm just going to finish watching Jurassic Park. Like, <laughs> it's going to suck me in easily. And you brought up a really interesting point, which is that when you're watching it, even if it is a quote-unquote slow part, you know something's coming up. I'll tell you, man, again, the way that these characters kind of imprinted on me, the way that Grant, Ellie, Lex, Tim, Hammond, Malcolm, Muldoon, all of them, you know, I have a very, very, very deep affection for those characters. And so even when it's moments where they're sitting around talking and philosophizing, philosophizing uh, and they're, you know, they're, they're rattling off about power and they're rattling off about uh, illusions, you know, you never had control. That's the illusion. I find those things fascinating because I'm just there with the characters and I love it so much. Uh, so we do have a couple of kind of kind of categories, kind of awards that we want to hand out when we do the perfect popcorn. Um, and the first one is we get to talk about best parts in movie. And I have eight technically listed already, and you're welcome to throw in as well. Um, but it's basically the whole movie. I, and I could <laughs> uh, number one, I have the opening. I have the shoot her sequence, which I think is one of the best openings in maybe all of film uh where which is i know i know it's a bold statement but the raptor attack on the worker the establishment of muldoon how dangerous these animals are without giving you a full clear look is just so well done so i have that whole sequence i have the a whole sequence of them landing on the island getting in the jeeps seeing the brachiosaurs um and kind of stopping it there because then that goes into another section of like the tour and dinner and whatnot. So we'll just say the arrival to the island and the seeing the, the Brachiosaurus. And again, there are still times I watched that. For the longest time, I watched that sequence and I was like, how did they make that tree move? Like, that's how good the special effects are. I didn't even think that they could just make the tree CGI. I didn't even consider it. Uh, I do have the, the tour. And the dinner conversation as one of my favorite parts. And that's one that is more of as an adult, uh, I think, is, again, just really interesting. Just watching Goldblum talk is, is its own treat. Um, I have my winner. I'm just going to just spoil it right now. My winner is the T-Rex attack, which is maybe one of the best, best action sequences ever. Like, it's so good at building tension from start to finish, F just slowly ratcheting it up. And the special effects are just phenomenal. They're still phenomenal. Uh, I have, for me personally, when Nedry dies, the whole mm -hmm. Dilophosaurus sequence, that Dilophosaurus growing up was my favorite dinosaur. And so to see him in action, even though... Uh, it was the most fictionalized dinosaur. Like a Dilophosaurus is not that big or not that small. It's mm -hmm. actually closer to like, I don't know, like a third of a T-Rex. It's actually a fairly big dinosaur. It didn't have the neck thing. It didn't spit venom, but it had the crests on the head. Um, but I loved that version of the, of the Dilophosaurus, and I love watching him get, get eaten. Um, I have Clever Girl. So that the whole sequence where she's in the basement trying to get the power back on and Muldoon is hunting the raptors, vis-a-vis a, a -vis they're hunting him. I have the raptors in the kitchen, which is a 
another all-time sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can talk about more of that, about that in a little bit. And then I have the ending, which is the Rex versus the Raptors and the escape at the end, which is just, again, pause the movie right there, print it out, hang it on your wall when, mm-hmm. the, when the Rex roars at the end and the banner's falling down. So that's what I have for best parts. Do you have any that I may have missed? Um, well, first off, I had, uh, I definitely had, in my opinion, when we first meet the dinosaurs. Okay. Um, and they come up over that ridge and they see them all there, mm-hmm. and you see the reactions. They're of moving in herds. Ellie and Doctor Grant and all of that. Um, to me, is like on film like what as a kid you're feeling like when you're seeing that spectacle there like because again like at this time like i don't know that we had seen like dinosaurs done this way no like we we hadn't seen anything like this and so to see this really come to life especially for a kid like i know this movie you know borderline maybe eight seven is is young to be watching this film but at the same time um like I think it also is is a great film for that age from the standpoint of it just feeds to that imagination that you have, especially at that time. Sure. Um, so that one was one of note. I know you already talked about it a little bit, um, but that was that was a big one for me. Um, T Rex scene um, in the rain with the flipped over Jeep and all that was definitely on my list. Um, I added one that that you didn't mention. OK. The. Yeah. Uh, the the point when the virus or or whatever Nedry did to the uh, uh, computers uh. that ah uh, ah uh, uh, and then even like just Samuel L's whole interaction with the computers <laughs> the the hang on to your butts and yep. the smoking the cigarette and all that kind of Please. stuff I love that part um, Raptors in the kitchen is definitely an all time and I had Nedry uh, oh. trying to leave and and dying that whole aspect of it too so. Um, I didn't have a whole lot. Granted, you listed pretty much the whole movie. Sure. So I did. I did. I think I might like the I, I didn't list like the Triceratops encounter, although that is genuinely your first up close look at a dinosaur. It's where they kind of flex and show how great. Right. This is technically right. Like because there had been plenty of movies that had done maybe not necessarily with dinosaurs, but like showing things more on afar and it's easy to be like, Oh yeah, you can get away with that maybe. But like we had it up close and personal, like them interacting with the triceratops and uh-huh. everything. And that's when you realize like, wow, this is crazy. So I want to continue that thought, but only after we name the best overall. So out of all of those, I've already showed my cards. What do you think is the best personally? And no pressure. Like, uh, I almost picked the Dilophosaurus scene, personally speaking, because that's one of my favorite scenes, and that's the one that I have the most uh, vivid memory of when I first saw it in the theater when I was a kid. But I'm definitely going T-Rex attack on this one. What about you? You know, for me, I, I'm, I'm going a little bit different. I'm, okay. going with, uh, I'm going with when they first see the dinosaurs. To me, okay. that right there is, is Jurassic Park. Like, that is when everything came to life. Like, yes you know i would say the raptors in the kitchen and the t-rex scene are are slightly more memorable because they involve that you know whole aspect of it's it's like a monster movie at that point right when that's happening um but for me my memory when i think jurassic park always goes to 
when they come over that ridge and they see the dinosaur and just like the amazement that you see on their faces that to me is is, is my favorite scene that's the wonder that's when i read like some of the reviews where like it doesn't have the wonder i'm like i don't know what you're talking about yeah. and it, it's really funny because when you look at it in hindsight which is what we're going to do a little bit later with jurassic world one of the biggest complaints about jurassic world was there wasn't enough wonder it didn't capture the wonder of the original and well you said the original didn't have any wonder what are we talking about um, for me, it's definitely the T-Rex attack and going and building off of your point about the Triceratops encounter. One of the reasons that this movie succeeds so well is because of the marriage of practical effects and computer effects. You know, it's well documented uh, with all the Blu-ray releases, all the behind the scenes videos that they were originally going to do stop motion animation. They were originally going to do a, a version of it called Go Motion and Spielberg just wasn't. It wasn't giving the results that they wanted. It was close. It would have been the best stop motion for live action maybe ever, but it just wasn't close. And so they took and merged the two technologies. They blended it together and they used the go motion artist to track the motion and then the computer artist to kind of map over that motion. Very similar, as a matter of fact, to the way a lot of motion capture is done today, you know, with characters and actual humans and stuff. Um, so, and I think that's why that makes that T Rex attack just so darn effective in my opinion. Um, we're going to get into quotes. We're going to get into some hindsight stuff. But before we do, we're going to take a quick little ad break. What's up, good movie buddies? Before we continue, I want to remind everybody that you can get regular episodes of The Popcorn Diet delivered to you for free just by hitting that subscribe button, following us wherever you're listening from. We really appreciate you just taking a second. Hit the subscribe button, give us a rating, give us a review, and share us with your other good movie buddies. We also want to remind you that the uh, first two episodes of Perfect Popcorn are available for everybody, but after that, any additional episode of Perfect Popcorn is only going to be available on our Patreon. And you can check those out by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider becoming a patron of the podcast is not only is it going to help us improve, not only is it going to help us do more things with the podcast, but it's going to give you access to exclusive patron only episodes like perfect popcorn, early episodes and things like that. So check us out patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. Of course, we don't want you for, to forget that you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, reviews, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But continuing on with the awards, the next, the next sort of category that we have, uh, we liked to dub, I believe you and I discussed this, it's not the years, honey, it's the mileage award. And that is the best quotes of the film. David, I want to go, I want, I want to pitch this to you. I want to see what you have for some of your favorite quotes or what you consider to be the best quotes of the film. All right. So I pulled out seven. Okay. Um, I got there's, like, there's, there's the bunch, but 13. I, I pulled out seven from it. So first off, you know, I feel like every time this movie's on, I say it at least once, but you have the welcome to Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. Like I, I, Nailed it. They Got do it. it. They do it in Jurassic World. Like it's iconic. Yep. Absolutely. Um, must go faster. Must go faster. Okay. Okay. Um, that's one of the ones I which always they, remember. Which they pulled and put in Independence Day year, a couple few years later. Yep. Yep. Uh huh. Um, another one I have on there. Hammond going. 
you know, all, all major theme parks have delays. <laughs> when they opened Disneyland in 1956, nothing worked. Uh-huh. And then you got Malcolm's response. Yeah, but John, if the Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the pirates don't, don't eat, eat the, the tourists. tourists. It's so good. Pretty much all of mine are, are Goldblum quotes. Yeah, there's a lot of good Goldblum <laughs> quotes. Um, there's the, that means they only eat vegetables, but for you, I think they'd make an exception. Okay, okay. I like that some of the bands are between the kids. Yep, yep. Um, good, good uh, brother-sister banter. Yep, that yep. very much, as a, as a brother, w- our, our ages were flipped. Leah's younger, about the same age, but flipped. Yep. That is very accurate. <laughs> sure. Um, you got the one towards the end. Hammond, after careful consideration, I've decided not to endorse your park. Excellent. Um, I got two more. God creates dinosaurs. God destroys dinosaurs. God creates man. Man destroys God. Man creates dinosaurs. And then I even added in there Ellie's response, uh-huh. which is dinosaurs eat man. Women inherits the earth. Fantastic. And then lastly... Um, which I think really is the line of this movie as far as like defining the whole, I don't know, synopsis or theme behind this Mm -hmm. movie, which is, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should, should. Um, which to me is all about like, is at the crux of all the Jurassic Park movies. Definitely. In the sense that like, and in, in in general, in science in general, is is one of the things that this movie tackles. Of right. there's plenty of things that maybe you can do, but should you do it? Right, absolutely. And that's just, I mean, that's become meme, you know, fodder for a lot of, you know, every time Taco Bell comes out with a new creation, throw the meme up there, you know, every time uh, KFC really reveals a Cheetos covered chicken breast, it's like, yeah, but did you stop to think if you should do this? Yeah. Uh, I have a couple more. Uh, I have. Life finds a way, or more accurately, life uh, finds a way. Got to throw the uh in there. I have hold on to your butts. Yep. I have clever girl. Like maybe one of the best final lines, like pre, pre-death lines, just Muldoon's a badass. I have that is one big pile of shit, <laughs> which is great. Another one, when you got to go, you got to go. And then, and and I, everything else was mostly Malcolm's lines. He has one long kind of monologue in there that I'm not going to bother reading through. Don't you see the danger, uh, John, inherent uh, in what you're doing here? Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a, a kid that's found his dad's gun. It's hardly appropriate to start hurling generalizations. If I may, um, I'll tell you the problem with the scientific power that you're that you're using here. Uh, it didn't require any discipline to attain it. You know, you read what others had done, and you and you took the next step. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourselves, so you don't take any responsibility for it. You stood on the shoulders of geniuses uh, to accomplish something as fast as you could, and before you even knew what you had, you you patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you're selling it. You want to sell it, well? And it's just so. It's just a great dial. It's a great monologue. It's a great delivery by Goldblum. Um, so what for you is the best quote out of all of those? What do you think the best quote is? You know, it's, it's tough. I'm torn between two of them. One is the, the welcome to Jurassic Park, just because I feel like people quote it over and over and over again. Like it, one, it's easy to remember, obviously Two, it continues to get used throughout the franchise. Um, to me, that's 
the most iconic line. But again, I kind of come back to that one from Malcolm where it's, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether they, whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they, they should. should. So I think I'm going to have to, I, I got to stick though with welcome to Jurassic Park. I, I admire that. <laughs> Um, I think just by what we talked about. You're just going to go with that's one big pile of shit, aren't It's you? so good. <laughs> it's just a great – again, Goldblum's on fire in this movie. He's crushing it, right? But, again, I think just because of the usage of it, the way that it has gone into the culture, our culture, online culture, whatever it is, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think they should. Like, that's such a great mission statement in general. Like, that's sure. how you should live your life and what you do. Um, let's talk about performances real quick. Let's so about best performances because I'll tell you, everything that Sam Neill is doing, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, there, Jeff Goldblum I think wins this movie, number one, um, beyond Spielberg. Like just in terms of like actors on the screen, Goldblum crushes it. But we have two specific kind of categories that we like to kind of focus on. The first one is the Hans Gruber Award, and that's awarded to someone's big breakout or introduction. Um, did you have anybody for this award? I had three three people kind of listed for this award. You know, because none of nobody really no broke no no out. one really broke out to me. You know, the the ones that were already somewhat established continued to be kind of established. Sure, you know, like this Goldblum had done. This wasn't stuff. Samuel L.'s first, you no. know, film, and um, even uh, what's his name? I always just think of him as Newman. Uh, uh, Wayne Knight. Wayne Knight. Yeah. Even even for him, this wasn't his first thing. Sure. Um, but breakout, like maybe not introduction, but breakout, because I feel like Sam Jackson, this is right in the middle of his breakout. Like it's this, and then he's in Amos and Andy. He's in uh, a couple of other movies that where he gets. He's in like a the the Lethal Weapon parody, Loaded Weapon One. Uh, in uh, in ninety three, he was in Patriot Games before this. He was in Jungle Fever. But this, and then Pulp Fiction right after it, and then Sam Jackson's there for the sure. rest of our lives. Yeah, it's definitely borderline with 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 Sam. Uh, I had B.D. Wong as well. He had done some stuff, but after this, he we got him in Mulan. We got him on like 180 episodes of Law and Order. I was SV. gonna say, I just think of him as Law and Order. <laughs> he comes back. We bring him back. <laughs> I don't know why, but we do bring. We him bring back. him back because he needs evil, evil fiendish Doctor Wu. Lurking in the background um, <laughs> as the manifestation of, of science run amok. Mm -hmm. You know, he's the scientist who doesn't think whether or not he should. He's just trying to do it, you know. Sure. Um, and then I also put Joseph Mazzello on there because, you know, he, he kind of broke out with this. And even though there's a big lull, he's kind of been coming back. You know, he was in Bohemian Rhapsody. He's been working on some projects. By no means is he a gigantic star, but I had him on here as well. Who would you give it to out of those three? I mean, obviously, of those three, I mean, the closest to the definition would be Samuel L. If you kind of disregard what he had done to this sure. point. And if you look at, like, what directly comes after this, um, it's pretty hard not to to go Samuel L. Sure. Uh, the, I, I would go Samuel L. as well, though B.D. Wong makes a strong case. The other one that we have is the Brian O'Connor Award, which... Oof, Pour one out. Pour one out. Number one. But it's awarded for someone's last great film or last great film of relevance. 
Now, I don't know that there's necessarily anybody who falls under that but specifically. There's one that I've I I personally found, and, right. and again, it's it would be Bob Peck yep. who plays um, Muldoon, my Muldoon. guy. Yep, my guy Muldoon because. It's a memorable role. Muldoon's sure. memorable in this film. He's great. Um, the he's, hats, the socks, the yep. boots, and the, and he the does safari some shorts. He does some TV films and that, but he passes away in 1999. I mean, so yeah, only six more years of life after this, and so um, someone who passed away t- far too early. But I think this is probably the biggest thing he had, maybe in his whole career, but definitely was his last like big opportunity it big is role. it is yeah i it's bob i i had bob peck on there as well in terms of like everything that you said and also muldoon's awesome like he Mal, is muldoon muldoon and roland tembo are just like the great white hunter guys and yeah they fit an archetype but <laughs> they're just so damn cool let's wrap it up let's wrap this up with some of our hindsight awards right which hindsight awards is really they're not really awards they're really more just questions how do we view this film in hindsight 26 years later how do we film view this film? How does society view this film as well? Um, we have already well discussed how we view this film. It's the movie that made me love movies. Like this, it's infallible. It's infallible. There could be news come out. Oh, hey, guess what? It turns out that the T Rex, uh, when he was on the set, he was a giant misogynist, or <laughs> or that the Raptors were racist or something. I don't know. I don't care. This movie is bulletproof for me for all time. I will. I will definitely. You might. I'm, actually, I'm going to ask you if you agree or disagree. If and when I ever have kids and they hit six and seven, Jurassic Park's going up. It's time for the initiation. What about you? Would you introduce your kids to this film at that age? Well, my kids already seen it at the age of two. Yes. So, and he and he cheered when the dinosaur ate yes! people. So, um, raising the kids right, David. It just happened to be on, and he. <laughs> saw dinosaurs and wanted to watch it. So, um, and I think two is okay because they're too young to really know what's going on. Right. Like they don't sense any, they don't have any sense of like, especially when you're watching it middle of the day. Right. They don't realize like, Oh, this bright is, this sunlight, this all that kind dark. of stuff. Yeah. They don't really understand like tone. Yes, exactly. Sure. So it was just, Oh look, there's a big dinosaur running around. And he, again, he cheered when the dinosaur ate people. So, Hell yeah. um, since then, now that he's a little bit older, we'll hold off to viewing it again. But he has seen it. Um, I think as far as, you know, how I view it today, it's still just an achievement. It's still something that takes me back to my childhood. It's Absolutely. something that, um, to me, continues to to hold up. It's, you know, the only things that you could say that stick out that maybe, you know, are a little bit dated. And I think I'm I'm stealing a little bit from some of the stuff we're going to talk about to come. But, like... I guess maybe the clothes, but even then they're like scientists and they're out in the elements. So like, you know, some of them, like the doctors are wearing white trench coats and sure, you know, they're wearing kind of like your typical, like we're going out Uh in a safari type of outfit, you know? So like it, it doesn't look that much. Maybe what the kids are wearing is a little bit dated, but, um, and then you got like the computers are obviously dated in, in the film. CD-ROM. But uh, other than that, I mean, to me, the dinosaurs still look really good. Like, do they look like if you put it next to the dinosaurs in Jurassic World? Of course, they look better in Jurassic World. But at points. But it doesn't. It's nothing's distracting about it. 
it's not you know we were just watching clips of Larry the Scary Rex and the movie <laughs> Clifford like it's not like that right. from that standpoint so to me it still holds up I I think if you release this movie in theaters today it still makes hundreds of millions of dollars I agree a hundred percent I mean look at Jurassic World it's sure. basically the same movie with updates and stuff but even if you did zero updates this film has never come out before there is no Jurassic World or anything yeah I think this movie still makes hundreds of millions absolutely of dollars. I agree um, and we're obviously we're still talking about it. I mean, it was it was one movie that that we talked about. It's a movie of a generation. It introduced an entire generation. It was their version of Star Wars. It was their version of blockbuster filmmaking. I did want to make one comment about the clothes. Uh, it, it doesn't really have any. In my opinion, it, there are no weaknesses. Like I love the characters talking. I love. Um, the interactions, even the slow bits and pieces. I've even diagrammed out how the T-Rex got over the fence when, like, oh, Grant is dropping down this long slow. If, if there's such a drop in the fence, how does it do? I've diagrammed that. I've wrote that out and, like, explained as to how the physics could work for the T-Rex to walk over, but there also to be a huge chasm for Grant to rappel down. So as far as weaknesses go, I, whatever they are, I can either – explain them or overlook them i do like the clothes though i think I've one of the secret parts about this film is the clothes in that there are no logos there are no major like styles it's all very yeah. like it's it's primary colors it's solid colors mm -hmm. it's really really smart and it's something that i think helps make this movie somewhat timeless sure technology notwithstanding you know interactive cd-rom notwithstanding yeah, I think the only weakness that I would put is, you know, I have I have a little bit of a nitpick against Ooh, okay. our 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 power situation here. Like, <laughs> sure. to me, if you're if you're harboring T Rex, Raptors, right, all of that, yes. like, you got to have a backup to the backup system. You like, gotta have five there backups. there can't be one thing that screws the whole place up. Sure, like, this is your you have things that can eat you that yes. you could shoot and they still could eat you. Like in his defense, it was industrial espionage. I, like, I agree. It was an inside job, which yeah. is always more difficult to, to handle, but still, I mean, you gotta have, you gotta have many safeguards in sure. this when you're harboring raptors and T-Rexes. Well, yeah. And also, you, I have one other nitpick. Okay, I have one too. I have a nitpick. I love the kitchen sing. Okay. Scene, ain't no way the kids hold off the raptor from opening that door. From the freezer door? Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry, a raptor is going to overpower them. They're not going to be able to slam the door shut on the raptor's nose to keep them out. I could probably barely hold the door open if your dog jumped at it. Exactly. <laughs> and a giant raptor and two children somehow overpowering it i don't care that they had slippery, the head i don't care floor. if they had the head start what about the slippery floor it had no traction still not buying it no traction if if they would have had the raptor slip absolutely if we would have seen the raptor slip and that gave them their opening to close it i'm good with that but uh the way that it's filmed it looks like they overpower it just briefly right. enough to shut shut the door to shut Chain the door happen. and lock it in my only nitpick is character related so they explain it away with the character but it goes back to like you're really going to cheap out you keep bragging 
spared no expense, spared no expense, spared no, except you did, Hammond, you did spare expenses. You, you didn't pay Nedry what you needed to, and you tried to automate the entire thing when you should have just hired a dozen computer programmers. Like, that's on you, Hammond. And I think that's the point. Like, I don't know that that's necessarily a nitpick of the movie. I think that's the point. I think the point is Hammond got cheap. I, w- I will say something that does hold up for me that I still really enjoy every time I watch it. Okay. Is the uh, the Barbasol shaving cream for I love it. to hiding it. It's it's a pretty sweet uh, way of, of taking it's that stuff out. It's a smart plan. And I don't know if – and, you know – I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I credit where credit's due. The fact that they never use that as like a reemerging plot point is is yeah. How they have it like buried in the mud, and we never have like right the next one comes because they found it buried in the mud. Right. Now they may, did. May, now maybe that's partly because those dinosaurs are still roaming that island. Maybe um, it's also could be very well because like they say like it's good for up to forty eight hours. Sure. So like maybe just it just. It's not a very sexy answer, but it's well. They died. the embryos went bad. Like sure. nobody found it, and they went bad. It's just a can of garbage now. Yeah, I mean, I, I even I even give it a break on the science of it. I mean, anytime you're science fiction, you know. But to me, what they talk about and the way they explain how they got this is, I guess, minutely plausible. plausible. I believe um, it. I'm ready right now. Why haven't we done this? I don't know how there's so many uh, mosquitoes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how all these mosquitoes are covered in sap and found right. years later. And also, how do you identify, like, oh, this is clearly T-Rex like, Have blood. you ever come across a mosquito that's covered in sap? <laughs> right. Or how, well, I haven't, I haven't done the digging, the amber mining and whatnot, but, like, <laughs> what if they never found a mosquito that landed on a T-Rex? Like, what right. if it was just, like, woolly mammoths? I also have questions on whether a mosquito could actually bite a T-Rex. Like, yeah. are they attracted? Because those are cold-blooded animals. True. And to me, they don't have, like, like, to me, I imagine their skin being more like a snake skin. And I right. don't think mosquitoes bite Get snakes. On snakes. I don't so. Know. We'll have to bring a mosquito. We didn't do our mosquito research. We should have. We, we apologize. So, David, I'll ask you. You already know my answer, but is this movie still perfect popcorn as it stands today? Absolutely. I think, you know, you watch it and it still feels cur- like, like I said, I still think you could release it today and it would do well in the theaters. Absolutely. And I, I would watch it and I don't think I'd be in there, you know, like I said, Technology aside, I don't think I'd be nitpicking much, if anything. No, it's fantastic. It's perfect popcorn for me as well. Uh, Before we wrap up, we want to tell you where you can find Jurassic Park. Right now, you can stream it on Freeform. You can rent it on pretty much anything. You can buy it on pretty much anything. Buy physical media. Buy a Blu-ray. Buy a DVD. I fall into the trap myself of buying digital versions. Do you know what this was released on? Laserdisc? It came out in 94 on both VHS and Laserdisc. And Laserdisc. I remember a friend of mine. I can't remember who it was. Uh, might have been uh, our, uh, our old filmmaking buddy, Travis Mills. But I can't remember for certain somebody who had this on, who had Laserdiscs. And who I had didn't this have on Laserdiscs. Laserdiscs. Boy, that was a weird time. Um, weird time. Maybe don't buy it on that physical media. Laserdiscs, probably not. Probably not. Um, But that is going to do it for our inaugural episode of Perfect Popcorn. Jurassic Park, still Perfect Popcorn. One of the best movies of our generation. 
one of our favorite movies of all time and always a perfect popcorn for us. Before we wrap it up, though, I want to remind all you good movie buddies that you can get regular episodes of The Popcorn Diet as well as the next Perfect Popcorn episode for free just by hitting subscribe, becoming a follower wherever you listen from. So take a second, hit subscribe, write a review, give us a rating. Any of our Perfect Popcorn episodes after that are going to be available only on Patreon. So hit up patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. Consider becoming a patron of the podcast. By giving the podcast a few dollars, you're going to get access to Perfect Popcorn episodes as well as early access to regular episodes and more. Of course, we don't want you to forget that we're on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at the popcorn diet. And last but certainly not least... You can find all of our latest regular episodes, all of our articles, reviews, Oscar predictions, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But for our Canadian machine, our local statistician and historian, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we'll see you next time with Ocean's Eleven on Perfect Popcorn. Adios.